Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave-She and host Brenda She-Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Everyone, it's episode fifty-eight of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Um, I'm host Brenda. First off, Austin, say your name. Uh, <laughs> I was like ready to say my name, and then you said first off, and I was like, oh, we have now. I'm host Austin. Hi, you heard Brenda say yeah. my name roughly fifteen <laughs> seconds ago, according to how my audio's tracking. Yes, if my audio sounds like absolute butt today, it's because I'm don't have my good microphone. I'm at my friend's house. I'm recording out of a closet on my AirPods. Brenda's in a remote location. Yeah. So fortunately, it's not like my week to to lead or you'd have to hear my awful. Um, just pretend it's like 1984 and this is the best microphone money can buy. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is true vintage hour, everybody. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Coincidentally, I'm on my... This is the first time recording on my brand new computer. Um, oh, and this is incredible. Usually, when we record, my audio tracker like freezes, and I just kind of like hold, like I'll hold my breath and be like, "I hope it's still recording me," and then it'll jump, and it is. It always is. <laughs> um, so this is wild to me. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, look at it go. Look at well, that's my voice. Look at it go. It's just tracking in real time, no freezing or nothing. Yeah, and you also shared your your click, clicky clicky yeah clicky keyboard. People want to hear the, the clicky clacks. Yeah, do it ASMR. Wow, this is incredible. I love how we, <laughs> as the human race, decided to make we tried to make keyboards as quiet as possible, and <laughs> now we're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack. <laughs> I want to feel like I'm in computer class in 2002 again. I want it to make as much noise as possible. So everyone knows I'm typing really fast. Like when you're playing Mavis Beacon and you try and impress your friends by typing fast, you're not typing anything. You're just pounding on the keyboard faster than everyone else. Oh, I'm actually very fast at typing. Okay. I was very good at Mavis Bacon. Okay, listen, we can talk about how good we were at Marvelous Bacon. We will have a Marvelous Bacon <laughs> off one day. We'll download- that has to still exist, right? I don't think it does. Did you know that Mar- Mavis... Marvelous Bacon herself isn't a real person. Well, I assume that. Wait. <laughs> well, like, why is it called Mavis Beacon teaches typing if she's not like some kind of like magical typing expert? Like, <laughs> it's just wait, Brenda. No, it's just wait. Did you think it was a person somewhere? There's a lady on it. It's, and it's uh... called Mavis Beacon. So I just assumed she was some kind of like magical typing type typist. Like she was like very good at typing. And Broder oh, Wonder, whoever real published, person. yeah. Okay, so hear me but out. She's not. I, she's I a am, character. I remembered it as like a cartoon character, not a real no. human person. Is there one where she's a cartoon character? My I swear, my school had one that was like a cartoon character. In the one my school had, she would like walk out in like full FMV quality and be like, 
now you must type or these penguins will die. <laughs> like, huh. That's what I remember. Like, I remember there being a black woman, but I swore it was. Is she uh, black? Wait. Yeah. Wait. Is she? Yeah. I thought she was Latino. Is she racially Wait. ambiguous? Did I just read her as black as a black? Oh my gosh, she is black. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, yeah she's black. Yeah. I like, I go to, Mavis Beacon is not a real person. <laughs> the original well, photo she's... of Mavis Beacon was a Caribbean-born model, Renee L. Esperance. She was introduced to us from Oh, there's a talk show. Uh, this today is not about Mavis Marvelous Bacon. Sorry, I'll get no. out of that page. Um, the oh, more- there is a what's it? There's a cartoon version. Yeah, I swore the one I had was a cartoon. I never knew it. It was like a version with like a person pretending to be Mavis Beacon. Um, I love that it was a hundred percent right, and it was Broderbund that published it. <laughs> <laughs> My knowledge knows no bounds. Brenda is. Im- unbeatable and will never be can full of knowledge she will consume all knowledge until there's none left for the rest of us but <laughs> we have knowledge for you in the news today the news news is like new knowledge that only becomes relevant when it becomes known <laughs> is that why it's called new- news yeah because there's there's new newses Fa- nuisances. Nuis- nuisances. Yeah. Sometimes the news is a nuisance. <laughs> Am I right, everyone? <laughs> so the Avatar Kickstarter is making a lot of fucking money. <laughs> Absolute. Just, just shit tons of money. Uh, like it just. <laughs> I as I as I watch it, it has jumped up three times. It is currently at five million three hundred. Oh God! It just moved. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 5.3 million dollars roughly i will not try and say a number because every time i start talking it goes up uh it changes. if you were unaware of it somehow avatar legends the role-playing game is a game running on kickstarter right now it has as of this recording 20 days to go so by the time you hear it, it'll have like 14 days or something to go um mm-hmm. it is a as i said role-playing game it is in the power by the apocalypse system so that's a if you don't know that system, it's like a D6 system, um, rules light, and mm-hmm. na- very narrative-focused in what it's trying to tell. Um, yeah. This game is the biggest game in tabletop role-playing game history on Kickstarter, and it's mm-hmm. halfway to being the biggest game period. The biggest game period on Kickstarter is Frosthaven, which was around, like, 10 million. Yeah. Um. Wow. I haven't looked at the data for number of backers because Frosthaven was also much more expensive to get to just like get the Avatar game to not get any physical to just like I want a PDF of the game is only twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you back at seventy five bucks, you get like all the physical stuff, which is a lot right now because there's a lot of stretch goals they've unlocked. Um, but if you just mm-hmm. like I just want a PDF to run it for me and my friends, it's twenty bucks. So. I do wonder how it compares to something like Frosthaven, where it's like, it's a board game and it's a big box board game. It's like a, it's like a 10, 15 pound box or whatever. Um, yeah, big boy. So I'm, I don't know because I didn't back Frosthaven, but I imagine the basic backer tier was still pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm yawning. It's yawn time. So yeah, it's really cool. It's really amazing because the team on it behind it is very diverse, and it's a lot of community members in the TTRPG scene. Um, mm-hmm. 
that have worked on like both big name and more indie driven stuff. Um, but I think what's amazing is just like they, it, these are not like none of these people working on this game are people that work for Viacom or for the, uh, the like publishing company making it. Um, mm-hmm. the company making it is Magpie Games, who makes, uh, their big game is Mask, and now their big game is Avatar, but Mask is also yeah. a Power by the Apocalypse game. Um, so it's being made by an independent studio. It's not like Hasbro or like Wizards, which is a Hasbro company, or I don't know of another big company. It's pretty much just Hasbro. <laughs> um this isn't like a big box company making it um it's an independent company that a lot of the people backing it probably never heard of with a lot of independent-minded creators that maybe some people backing it have heard of uh sin sin ling fong for example was one of the co-creators behind jiangshi which was a big kickstarter last year um so people may know some of them for other game kickstarters but for the most part this is a lot of people's exposure to this community i mean forty three thousand backers we this is i i as someone in the tchipper gc and this is absolutely bananas never in a million years i know it's a people like oh it's a big ip and blah 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 and i keep hanging i'm like no you don't get it like (laughs) i there was like a ninja turtles board game a while ago and it still didn't crack like forty thousand backers like people people don't play games in the way that people who play games think they do yeah especially role-playing games definitely um so this is a huge deal and i'm excited because we got a we got a new gateway game baby we don't gotta talk Mm -hmm. about the dragon game no more (laughs) yeah it's like so many people know about avatar that would want to play like a tabletop rpg Mm -hmm. uh and you don't we don't need the dragon game anymore this is like a great gateway it's like you know i'd say it's like and you can I say that you played it? Yeah, play I, I was a playtester. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, Austin, you, you playtested it, mm-hmm. and it's like, I've played a lot of Masks, so I know, like, this system's, like, a little bit what some people call rules light, mm-hmm. but that just makes it very accessible, and it's very story-based, so it's yeah. really easy to get into, even if you've never played a tabletop RPG. It's mm-hmm. much more accessible, in my opinion, than the Dragon Game is. We're talking about D&D, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, the... Uh... Um, I don't know why I say it like if when I'm for I'm just used to because like on Twitter you say Dragon Game because yeah because you don't want you don't yeah. you don't want them to find you because it's a I mean when you work in games they're they're like a big deal um mm-hmm. so we just you say Dragon Game uh hey hey don't at me on Twitter with some bullshit about the Dragon Game because I still work in this <laughs> industry <laughs> please leave me out yeah, of it yeah it's like that's like the you don't want to burn bridges mm-hmm. but you still want to like be able to like critique what they do right they're the most visual tabletop rpg in the world so and until now here we go will they, that, but will they continue yeah. to be <laughs> will they or are people going to realize that like oh maybe like games that are like more story based have their own merit too and should just be just as popular mm-hmm. um here's hoping like i played yeah i played dungeons and dragons like a couple years ago for mm-hmm. the first time and i was just like i it's is hard and i was just like i just want to like kind of like build stories with these characters and it's not that you can't yeah. it's just that it's really not designed for that yeah it's designed for dungeon crawling yeah and they've they've worked towards it not being that and the community's mm-hmm. done a lot of work and with the advent of things like um i just forgot dimension 20 dimension 20 mm-hmm. and critical role and 
like the Adventure Zone and like Three Black Halflings and like other Rivals of Waterdeep and other like big actual play shows that have played D anD D or still play D anD D, people get more mm-hmm. into like narrative driven and like big narrative arcing games because like those are shows and so shows like it's boring to watch people roll dice and talk about fake punching. It's exciting to watch yeah. people essentially like act and improv and like RP as these characters they made up um with some challenges thrown in the way. Like that's exciting because it's a show. Uh mm-hmm. so it's it's becoming more popular but yeah like the game was built with that in mind. It is one of I don't want to take away like when they built 5th edition one of the pillars was like social engagement and RPing. That is something they considered. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of rules and statistics and numbers to remember that if you don't, if it's not your jam, it's not your jam and that's fine. Um, like I like D and D, but I also enjoy these rules lights games that are like, you have like six stats. The numbers don't go higher than like two on your sheet. Um, mm-hmm. and you need a single, you need a dice from like Monopoly. <laughs> like, do you, do you have Pretty a Monopoly much. set? You have all the dice you need. Which is what Masks is like. Masks is just... Okay, it's a, let me try it's that. It's a hard one to say. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, which is what Masks is like, which is like a teen superhero RPG, which mm-hmm. also runs on the Apocalypse system, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you just use two D6s, yep. I think. That's it. Yep. And you just have those sitting around your house. Yeah. So if you, like... If your cat steals your dice and hides it somewhere, you can just open a box of Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> just open up... Uh, what is it? Oh, what's the... Yahtzee. Yahtzee. There's there's enough there's enough <laughs> dice in your Yahtzee set for all of your friends to come play mass. So I was thinking about how I don't have regular Yahtzee. I have Disney Yahtzee. Amazing. So like instead of even better instead of and it's like J- Disney Yahtzee Junior. So it doesn't have numbers on the dice. <laughs> it's so like, it's like num is like goofy. Yeah. Oh, is it like numbers of characters? Is it like there's three Goofies or yes. Nice. So, like, the dice has, like, a Goofy and a Mickey and a Minnie and a Donald and a Pluto. Amazing. And I'm just imagining, like, playing um, playing masks with that and being <laughs> like, okay, two. I got one Donald and I got one Goofy. What does that correlate to? <laughs> got a Donald and a Mickey over here. Help! I got double Donalds! Ah, oh, shit, that double D. Ah, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a double D. <laughs> <laughs> that make Okay, I'll save that. I'll- that reminds me of something- <laughs> Yeah, I got to see Brenda this week. It just reminds me of something we did yeah. this week, but I yeah, that'll spoil our movie episode. So, um, we watched a movie in the same location it was, together. It was great. It was amazing. It was it was a good movie. It was good to hang out with friends. I didn't fully process that it happened until you left, and I was like texting someone else about like how what you have been up to, and I was like texting someone, and I just started like crying. Me like trying because I've been in the in the same city as you for a week now at my mm-hmm. friend's house and just processing seeing all of these people. I'm just like I used to just get to see them all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And it's just a lot of emotions. Um, but enough of that. Yeah, enough of that. Enough of feelings. enough of this sad boy shit. We have more news. <laughs> we want to, ooh, Crunchyroll and Funimation have. Joined forces. Joined forces Actually, is a very Funimation. nice way to say. It. I saw this. I know. His article's like they merge, and I'm like, mm. 
Funimation has bored crunchy. Merge is a very polite. Whoever wrote this is it's a very is a very polite reporter. They clearly have like ties of, to Crunchyroll because uh, they bought them. They they were acquired. Yeah. They were acquired. <laughs> Yeah, and so I don't know how this is gonna what's gonna happen going forward. Mm-hmm. It's Funimation has said like, oh, we're gonna try to get a unified streaming experience soon yep. because right now Crunchyroll has their own streaming service and Funimation has their own streaming services. I pay for both. Um, so the cheapskate in my heart can't wait, but also I have a lot more like brand loyalty to Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. When Funimation um, services bad. They're both bad in their own unique That's ways. True. I I think Crunchyroll works a little bit better because on Crunchyroll I can rewind something and the whole thing doesn't freak out like <laughs> HBO Max. Like you know? So okay. I keep hearing about this problem with HBO Max. I've never had a problem with HBO Max. Am I missing something? I have problems with it because when I was watching Jellystone, mm-hmm. which everyone very good, please go watch Jellystone mm-hmm. so we can have more. Um every time I would stop for a screenshot or try to go back it would just freak out and i would have to reload the whole player again yeah i never i've never once had that problem do you watch on your um xbox yeah that might be it the app just might be better so everyone use the app yeah i've never used the browser or watched on desktop or anything which is why i asked animation shots (laughs) yeah because my computer lets me take a screenshot um so Funimation is worse than that, though, because (laughs) I binged all of Skate the Infinity when I had my first Wisdom Tooth taken out, like, Mm -hmm. back in, like, March or some shit, and I was like, I'm gonna watch Skate the Infinity, so I got my Funimation plus whatever the hell trial, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch some skateboarding, boys, and then it would, like, freeze on my PlayStation, so then I had to, like, plug in, like, my, um... It would. It's technically a Google Chromecast, mm-hmm. um, but it's a T-Mobile branded Google Chromecast because I had T-Mobile cable very briefly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. T-Mobile cable doesn't exist anymore. This is not relevant <laughs> to the story. I just don't know when I'll get to mention that my Chromecast is a T-Mobile branded Chromecast. Now, we, so it's, it's, now it is recorded for all of history and posterity in this yeah, podcast immortally. So, George T-Mobile, I'm not going to forget that you tried to have your own cable. <laughs> you, you tried it. He tried it and he gave up almost immediately. <laughs> but anyway, so I had to get my Chromecast plugged in and had to like get Funimation up on that. So I'd be, watch on there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then that would freeze. And then I'd have to go back to the PlayStation and then that would freeze. And it was just like, and it took me forever that to watch terrible. like five episodes of Skate Boys. It was a nightmare. That sounds awful. Yeah. So I hope that like, you know, Crunchyroll always logs me out every time I use it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, on my PlayStation, I'll, like, go to use Crunchyroll and watch, like, a premium episode. Because, like, Crunchyroll doesn't have a free version. You can just watch Crunchyroll without a subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, you just get the world's worst ads. So forever. But forever. It's awful. So you get, like, the same ad three times in a row. Hell. Absolute hell. But anyway. So, um, where was I going? Oh, yeah. So, I'll go to watch, like, a premium episode. And... It'll be like, well, you don't have premium. And I'm like, yes, I do. And then we'll be like, we'll log in then. And I'll go to log in and then I'll wait 10 seconds. And then it just automatically, I'm just logged in again without having to type anything or yeah, actually physically weird, log right? back I've in. Seen that. It's so weird. Yeah, it's very weird. And I don't know why it does it, but I guess at least I can like pause and go back and do whatever <laughs> I want. So at least I love that. But yeah, they're merging. 
Don't know what this means for like the Crunchyroll brand going mm-hmm. forward. No idea. Like I said, I'm kind of partial to it. It makes me hungry. Um, but just a little bit of Conan news because I haven't mentioned Conan. Um, the whole entirety of Funimation's, like the episodes of Conan that Funimation had, are now up on Crunchyroll. So that's one through 124, hey. I think. So just for you. N- n- neat. <laughs> I didn't just buy them all on DVD or anything. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. If if anyone was curious about the numbers, they bought Crunchyroll for one point one point one seven billion. Good lord! Yeah, they dropped a lot of money on this. Um, and yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. Um, yeah, I know it is like it's not just a cheapskate to me, but it's also like it would be nice to have unified ways to like consume anime um mm-hmm. cuz they're kind of the two biggest ones who bring it for american audiences um yeah like netflix is do netflix is like have more foothold amazon will get something every once in a while like amazon has Evangelion right right now yeah. for the movies which is Wild. weird because netflix got the show so things anime mm-hmm. is always scattered to the nine winds <laughs> and if you're an anime fan, finding stuff is always like, I wonder who has it this season. Um, so if there was one place that had just like a bigger library that wouldn't, that would, I, it would be convenient. I don't know yeah. if it's good. <laughs> Th- that's how I feel. I don't think it's good, but I think it will be nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, we will. That's where we stand with that. Do you remember when Funimation used to put entire series up on YouTube I do. to watch for free? Do you remember Funimation was like yeah. the godsend because everyone else getting an anime DVD was like $400 and Funimation's like, eh, like 20 bucks. Yeah, they were like, you can just have anime, you know? I was like, so. I remember texting people about um, when Funimation did the re-release for... When they released Cowboy Bebop and like Samurai Champloo and other stuff, and I was like, "Oh my!" It was so mm-hmm. affordable. Then Cowboy Bebop was like forty or sixty bucks or something for yeah. just like the basic, just like you just wanted the show. It wasn't like the special. There's like a collector's edition. They released like a bunch of editions, of course. And I was like, "I mm-hmm. just want the show." And it was just like available. It was like in stock. They they had a bunch like just printing them. It was wild. Mm-hmm. And now here we yeah, are. Yeah, you can just like. <laughs> You can just walk into a store now and just like Cowboy Bebop, like a Walmart, and Cowboy Bebop is just at the Walmart. And it's like, wow, how things have changed. How they have changed. There's no fighting people in the weird anime section of a record store. I don't know why the record store has an anime section, but a lot of them do. (laughs) I don't know what that's about. (laughs) Anime section of the Best Buy. Oh, God. Or you go into... Now we have like... FYE? Oh, yeah. They don't have one anymore. Oh, I went into an FYE recently. I found one in the wild open mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know, I want to, they used to have like tons of used anime DVDs. I'm going to go take a look, see, and just see like, if by like some little slim chance, they had the DVDs of the case closed movies, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Austin, I have been hunting down to way. find one for less, <laughs> less than a hundred dollars. Um, I'm getting close, but I anyway, I was like, I'll just, yeah, I was like, I'll just check. So I go into the FYE, and there's, like, two racks of DVDs in its entirety. Wow. The rest is just, like, random merchandise. Huh. So, like, shirts and shit. It looks like a hot topic with the light. <laughs> the worst hot topic. You 
Yeah, and they had like a ton of Japanese candy, like a whole shelf. I was like, okay, that's a little cool. Um, but other than that, it was just like pretty unmemorable. I was like, mm-hmm. this is an FYE. Like, I don't know why this is still here mm-hmm. because it really doesn't have a niche anymore. Right. So very weird, surreal experience at the FYE in 2021. Super weird. So I'm going to be real. Mm-hmm. So everybody, uh, it's my week. Yeah. I super for- I forgot it was my week just now. I was like, when's Brenda going to transition? I have my notes pulled up I'm in not. front of me. <laughs> I don't know. What- <laughs> Thankfully, it's not my week. Because my mic is so, so bad today. Well, I'll take us uh, away. Uh, we were talking about anime. We're talking about anime. We're talking about Magical Girls. Um, yes! Brenda. We're going to talk about Minky Momo. We're going to talk about Cutie Honey. <laughs> I don't know what you have planned. No, those are, those, are, those are both true. But do you know what is seen as, like, the progenerator, the precursor, the allusion to a Magical Girl? That, that predates Cutie Honey? Mm-hmm. Oh, predates Cutie Honey hmm. by a, a lot. Oh. Hmm. Precursor to the magical girl. I don't know. I'm sure you know of a mangaka by the name of Tezuka. Oh, yes. I might have. Oh, yes. I might have heard of them in passing. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I know you. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know, Osamu Tezuka is just, like, the dude. Like, if you like... An anime or a manga, it probably traces back to something he did or whatever. Um, he's Astro Boy's daddy. He's Astro. He's Astro Daddy, as some call him. <laughs> and I'm the sub. My name, hi, I'm Sum, and I call Tezuka Astro Daddy, and he can't stop me. <laughs> he can't stop me because he's dead. <laughs> he'll he'll haunt me, imagine. Anyway, uh, he really he did a manga and anime eventually by the name of Princess Knight or Reba no Kishi. Oh, uh, this ran from 1953 to 1956 for the uh, the anime, um, and it is seen as the precursor to a lot of things. It seems a precursor to shoujo, and it seems a precursor to um, magical girls. Um, mm. So it, it lends its credit to a lot of that genre. Um, mm-hmm. What it had, if Princess Knight followed a young girl who was a princess, and she pretended to be a prince to go on adventures and try and rule this kingdom. Um, she would transform to do feats of adventuring and strength that she cannot do in her, like, quote-unquote girl form. Uh, mm-hmm. The main character had was gifted, like, she had her girl heart, and she was gifted, like, a blue boy heart at birth, which is how she could transform. Mm-hmm. Um, and she dressed androgynously and featured uh, other trends of shoujo, like, romance throughout the series. The most interesting thing about Princess Knight to me is just the fact that the biggest cultural influence for Princess Knight for Tezuka was the Takarazuka review. Ah. Do you do you know Takarazuka? Yes. So that's like the um, all-female group of performers. Yes. Um, very famously, they have like a pretty recent like Lupin mm-hmm. the third mm-hmm. um, performance, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely look up some clips of that. Yeah. Uh, so Tezuka apparently grew up in Takarazuka, which I didn't know. I've not looked up much really? about his life. So he was there from age five until like 22. Um, so mm. he, grew up, he grew up there. He knew about the review. He was a big fan. And the main character from Princess Knight was based on the review's idea of Danso no Reijin, which is the beauty in male dress, which is the like, that scene is like the hardest, most important role in the review because it is the mm-hmm. women that, that will 
play the men roles in their performances, which are seen as the most difficult mm-hmm. roles for them to play. Um, being women, that is the that is the ideal behind it. That is not me, Austin. That is me telling you about Takarazu Curview. <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. I'm just telling you about cultural experiences that I've had. Because I went to Japan, I went to Takarazuka, and it was fucking dope. It was <laughs> incredible. Uh, I had a huge crush, and still do, on the woman who played Romeo in the Romeo and Juliet we saw, because she was amazing oh, yeah. and very hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is like, that is what I got for Princess Knight and Takarazuka. Essentially, that is, that was just something interesting about it. Princess Knight, the big thing to know is like, she was a girl who transformed to do stuff that she couldn't do um it's not necessarily magic so she's not seen as a magical girl mm-hmm. and i know you might be thinking well what else would you call it i don't know but it specifically is not magic the thing that to remember <laughs> is magical girl it has to be magic not like sci-fi or like weird new age medicine it has it is like specifically they have to talk about it being magic mm. um if they don't it's not a magical girl it can be close. That's not a magical girl, it's not magic. Uh, so, the first magical girl in manga was the manga, uh, was Secrets of Akochan, or Himitsu no mm-hmm. Akochan. This was created by Fujio Akusaka in 1962, and it was published in Ruban, which Ruban was a shoujo, like, manga magazine, um, mm. which started in 1955. Anyway, uh, the main character is Atsuko Kagami, who is called Ako, uh, Ako-chan in the manga. It is, she was an elementary school girl who loved mirrors. One day, her favorite mirror that was given to her by a parent was broken. But Ako, mm, no. and her love for mirrors, she refused to throw it away. She wanted to give it a proper burial. So then the queen of mirrors, who favors her for her kindness, gives her magical powers to turn into whatever she wants, kind of like a mirror. I argue Akko is a warlock because she clearly has a patron, but that is a different story. <laughs> and that's the story for another yeah, day. I, I, I'm still trying to... This uh, young girl meets the Queen of Mirrors, and she's given the power to transform into whoever she wants. Um, Akko-chan was... what? So this is something I want to bring up. Akko-chan was a manga. Um, mm-hmm. The things you'll want to remember is like what comes to English language speakers and what doesn't throughout this yeah this uh triple beyond Akko-chan comes to English language speakers in 19 in the 1980 run of the manga so that is uh, like what 28 years later after the original yeah. manga ran um and the anime they did make an anime the anime came out in 1969 in the 70s they played some of the anime in original Japanese and parts of California this mm. did not have subtitles uh, it was just the raw anime airing in California. I tried to figure out because I found like the station, and I was trying to figure out mm-hmm. if the areas of California were like areas of like a high Japanese population of people. Uh, I could not mm-hmm. wheedle that down because going through census data is boring. Yeah, there's actually a couple networks like throughout the United States that just play like Japanese programming, right. and a lot of them aren't around anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's like a lot of manga has only been shown here on those stations. Sorry, anime. Mm. I said manga. Hey, you watch manga. Uh, the series, however, did find a lot of success in Europe. It, it exported mm. to Europe also in the 80s and 
all three of the Aquatron series they had at the time and the movies all played through Europe and it found a lot of it found a lot of um popularity in Italy specifically, which is also something to remember. Ooh. Uh, Don't forget Italy. Never forget Italy. But I'm sure you're still asking, you're like, awesome, but who's like the first magical girl like for real, like on TV? Because like who reads a fucking book? Yes. Like books are for nerds. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Truly, I don't have a stack of them right next to me right now. <laughs> I don't have a filing cabinet literally full of comic books at all. Um, <laughs> so, as I said, Alcatraz was the first one in manga, and her show didn't air until 1969. Before her, mm-hmm. the person who made the TV was Sally. Or Sunny. Sally. Yeah, uh, she was Sunny in her manga. She was Sally for her TV show. Uh, Sally the Witch. Uh, Maho- Mahosukai Sari. And she's also seen as the first, is also seen as a first shoujo anime. Because again, Princess Knight was like a precursor. Yeah. Uh, Tezuka, as a lot of people know, did Astro Boy and made a lot of like first anime shit for Toei Animation, who is pretty much the only animation studio making anime. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of his stuff is seen as like, this is what led people to make, like, he made X so people would make Y. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. and how we got like genres and these divisions of like shoujo and shonen and sci-fi and because a lot of his older stuff is kind of like not anything technically um yeah when you get down into it mm-hmm. uh so sally the witch the original the first anime ran from 1966 to 1967 it was directed by toshio katsuda and hiroshi ikita uh it came from toy animation mm-hmm. just like a lot of anime was at the time and the first series had 109 episodes uh, they, cool. they would go on to make an additional uh, 88 episodes in a second run of the series in the late 80s, early 90s. So it had a lot. I looked into it. Um, if I'm, Astro Boy had more. Astro Boy had like close to 200 episodes in its original run. Um, but at the time, like this was, this is, Sally is another one of the first, uh, long running anime series. Because it's 66, so Astro Boy is just finishing the first time it ran. Because Astro Boy aired from 63 to 66, I believe, the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kimba the White Lion is in there somewhere, or is coming out right now. Um, so, here we have our first Mantra Girl. She's a witch. That's big, that's a big running theme for most Mantra Girls for a long yep. time. That's magic. Uh, Sally is a witch princess from a magical kingdom, but she wishes to make friends her own age. So she comes to Midworld, Earth. I don't, I couldn't figure out why it was called Midworld so often. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of these old magical episodes, these old magical shows, they call it Midworld for Earth. Um, I don't know <laughs> if that is a, if that's like a cultural thing I, I was missing. That's, I can't think of anything I learned about Japanese culture, history, religion that referred to Earth as Midworld in one of their religious touchdowns, but a lot of them call it Midworld. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for you. Figure it out yourself, sports fan. <laughs> I do this for free. <laughs> anyway, she gets to Earth on accident, doing a magic spell, and then she finds two teen girls, two, not teen girls, they're kids. Also important to note. Everyone is a kid still. Mm-hmm. Uh, she finds two girls her age being, like, mugged? And she saves <sighs> them with her magical powers. Uh, Good. We see some other tropes that will continue throughout the genre. She saves one that is a tomboy named Yoshiko, and she saves one that is very girly, named Sumire. 
So that is another trope that you see throughout magical history where there's like a tomboy one, there's like a very girly one, and then there's like, and then you get more tropes of like, there's like a mean one, and then there's like the pouty one, and you have Grumpy Spice and Old Spice. And and baby Spice <laughs> and Five Spice. Six Spice Blend. Um, <laughs> Sally then stays on Earth and gets in the mischief and whatnot with her friends. Um, the big influence for the series was Bewitched. She tries hiding her style, her magic Bewitched style, so she like doesn't let people know she has magic powers, including her friends. Yeah. Um, it actually ends. She tries to explain to her friends that she has to go home because she she's a princess. She has to like go rule her kingdom, and mm-hmm. no one believes her that she's that this is going to happen. And then she saves the school from burning down with her magical powers, and then dips. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> that that's what Sally. Look where it needs me. Um, so Sally the Witch gets compared to classic cartoons here in America, like Hanna Barbera, in terms of its popularity. Um, everyone, like everyone, knows Sally the Witch in Japan. Everyone mm-hmm. has seen some of it, or you see, you catch episodes like, like if you are our age, like they would play them, you know, like early in the morning or late at night when other programming is done, and they're before there's like adult programming how we have now that comes on late at night yeah um so everyone like knew everyone not knew knows of it it's still pop it still has like that kind of cultural following to this day they even mm-hmm. did sort of a i mentioned the second series that came out in 80, 89 to 91 like this sort of like re, like second series reboot that continued to tell the story and told more of a continuous through line because the original sally is very episodic yeah. Um, it is very much like story of the week, like what kind of shenanigans does Sally get into? I mean, it had 109 episodes mm-hmm. and ran for a year, so that's, they like cranked them out. They were just like, all right, what is this, this girl going to get this <laughs> week? And then they like throw a dartboard and it hits a dog. And they're just like, okay, she finds a puppy and then throw it a dartboard. And they're like, and the puppy is a gun. <laughs> Another dartboard. Oh God, but now there's an octopus. Fuck, how's <laughs> she going to get out of this one? Throws a dartboard. Ah. <laughs> Friendship. That whole board says friendship. Yep. <laughs> friendship is a key component for every episode of Sally the Witch. Uh, we don't even really need to throw a dartboard at that one. We just enjoy the experience. Speaking of episodes of Sally the Witch, Sally the Witch is not easy to find here in the States or on the internet at all. Mm. I could fi- You can find really? the openings super easily on YouTube. The opening slap. Uh, there's, um, in 2015, an idol group did like a updated dance version of the openings and i listened to those and i was like oh let me go listen to original openings original openings are also very good uh yeah yeah so they they are they're pretty good i very much enjoy them um but in terms of trying to find episodes sadly the witch i track so i have a friend um, who is also really into magical girls who like has like a whole YouTube series on them that I should have looked like remembered how to say their name and talk about the YouTube series, but I didn't. So I'll, I'll do that in a second. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. who like had found files that they shared with me and they aren't, they are not subtitled because mm-hmm. Sally the Witch d- never sees an official U- English release. Which is wild because it feels like because it's like very bewitched and like Sabrina was like a character mm-hmm. in Archie. It feels like it would have been, I mean, maybe like the mundane like things the kids got up to was like too quote unquote too Japanese for the sixties in America. Maybe. 
but it feels like it would have been popular. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was extremely popular in Japan. It does. Mm-hmm. It starts in black and white, and it switches to color after eighteen episodes, which is also a big deal. It's one of the first anime to go into color. Um, because what Astro Boy for most of its runtime is in black and white, and I think they've recolorized yeah. all of it now. But it was like it was old, and anime wasn't like anime series weren't a thing. They didn't know if it was gonna like yeah. be anything. Can I share a fun Hanna Barbera fact go that's actually it. relevant to this? So, um, so. If you notice now, if you watch like any Hanna-Barbera cartoons, even as far back as like Rough and Ready, even though they were all shown on television before color TVs were standardized, Hanna-Barbera went out of their way to make sure that they produced them in color, having the feeling that someday color TV would be a thing and that they would want them to be in That's color. That's fucking so wild. They could be timeless. Right? What kind of Nostradamus like, shit is that? What kind of... <laughs> No, we're gonna make him yeah, in color. Time- no, boss, the TVs yeah. aren't in color. Yeah, you fucking idiot. You dumb fuck. How you idiot? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Rough and Ready came out like in the mid fifties, I wow. think. And like, yeah, at that point, there's n- no color TV. Not even and, a like, twinkle in the Hanna eye. Bar- Hanna Barbera had had, had like experience of making color cartoons with their work on like the Tom and Jerry series, which were theatrical shorts. Mm-hmm. So it could have just been we already know how to do this, and it's just as much work to produce it in black and white so we might as well just do it in color Mm -hmm. but it was just like this incredible foresight that makes these cartoons like without having to like do full restorations and full recolorings like yeah it's just it's kind of cool (laughs) it's really cool wild yeah i listen whoever made that call at hannah barbara they must have been like yeah sure whatever you fucking weirdo and then when it happened (laughs) i i just can you imagine the just shit-eating grin they came into the office with when it was, like, I don't know if that was, like, announced. Like, I don't know what the world was like before Color TV. Like, is that an announcement? Is that on the news? They're like, new TVs are now in color. I don't know. They're like, (laughs) $5,000. I don't know what that's like, but they must have just, like, swaggered into the office, like, hey, you see the news last night? Yeah, yeah, the weather, yeah, (laughs) the ball ball game. But you you see that other thing? Hmm? Oh, what? Why are you so quiet? Why are you... What's it? Hmm? What's that? Hmm? Do you see that he like Hannah and or Barbera like goes into the office with like a color TV just and like turns it on, it on and they're just like, do you yeah like bam? Do you see this shit? And they're like pointing to the screen. It's like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Did you see how great of a decision it was to make Fred's tie blue? And you doubted me, but look at this. This here is a color TV. I'm just imagining oh, nice. like full like sweating because. It, they're businessmen, so they have to wear full suits even though it's summer. Carrying a TV that weighs yeah. more than a small child <laughs> down the street. They have a dolly, and they have to, like, drag it 50 <laughs> blocks in the California sun. I have to make this point. No, like, you, I have to let them know I was right! Like, you're clearly suffering from heat exhaustion. It was worth it! <laughs> He's, like, completely, like, soaked with sweat. You know, like, all, like, the pits, the face... <laughs> Just like rivulets of sweat, like pouring down, like Ghibli tears. <laughs> worth it. Worth every single second. <laughs> um. However, ha- Sally never made it to U.S., but did go to parts of Europe, South America, and made it to Mexico. Hmm. Um. The basic plot from Sally the Witch becomes is another thing that genre picks up. Like as we move through this history, the genre picks up more and more. Um. Mm-hmm. So it. The basic plot of Sally is magical princess comes to Earth, uses her powers, and tries to hide on Earth. 
Uh, you see this in Sailor Moon to some regards. So, like Sailor Moon is a princess from a different timeline and has her memory erased and is learning how to use her powers on Earth to better herself and her friends. Um, mm-hmm. In the American Magical Girl show, Star vs. the Forces of Evil, she's literally the magical princess from a different world who comes through a mirror um, and then tries to be- have a normal Earth life while balancing being a magical princess and having to one day leave her friends and rule over this magical world, which is mm-hmm. pretty much the plot of Sally, which is so interesting because there is little to no chance that the people behind, like, Star Wars Force of Evil, for example, being an American production, have seen Sally the Witch. Like I said, it is mm-hmm. nigh impossible to find episodes to watch, which is weird because it yeah. has the popularity level of, like, a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. And I'm like, even find like, I even tried going to, like, I was like, do I need to go to, like, Japanese YouTube and search for it? Like, will there be episodes there? Is it something I can buy? I couldn't really find a way to, like, ingest it today. But, I mean, I mentioned that uh, idol group from 2015 who made an updated version of the song. So, I'm like, people still know about it. People must be watching yeah. it somewhere. It's got to be, like, accessible somewhere in Japan. Mm-hmm. Just not here. You know, it's kind of like how Doraemon, like, never yeah. made it here. Except a little bit in Canada. Mm-hmm. It was called like Sydney and. <laughs> Do you remember something. the Disney XD version they tried to release? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> He's a cat from the future. Okay, all right. Sure. Oh gosh. That's true. I guess you're not incorrect. Um, see, so yeah, that is that is most, most what I've got for Sally the Witch. We're gonna move um out of the sixties into the seventies. Uh, we're still with only Toei Animation. Mm-hmm. And Magical Girl gets a gets its first title. Uh, they are referred to as Majoko, which are little witch shows. Uh, they do not use the term Magical Girl. Everyone everyone is pretty much like some sort of young girl witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do start ever seeing in the seventies. They go they start going from young girls to teens, adulthood range. Um, throughout the sixties, mm-hmm. they are like young girls, and that is again a lot of like influence of Tezuka, who. It had a lot of influence from, like, Disney animation. Yeah. Um, and so, in 1974, we have Majoko Megu-chan. Uh, Megu-chan was created by Tomo Unoe and Maki... It's so hot here. Makiho Narita. <laughs> uh, that's who... Those are the two mangakas who created the manga. And the anime was created by Shingo Araki and Yugo Serikawa. Before I get to Shingo Araki, because he has a lot of interesting stuff... You might be wondering, why do I keep bringing up who made the manga and who made the show? At the time, Toy Animation is pretty much commissioning mangakas to make manga so they can make shows. Oh, Disney used to do this. Exactly. It is that same model um, of like, yeah. make a manga so we can make a show. This continues up, up to Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon, the first season and the, fir- the first what's called like arc of the manga was all she planned to make. Oh. She did not intend to keep the story going, but Toy Animation wanted to make more anime. So they had the anime team make a filler arc, which was the Helltree arc, while she came up with more manga mm-hmm. to make. Because they were like, we need more source material. It was, which is very weird because we're in this talk, right, of like comics being seen as just something to make a movie out of. And I'm like, ah, oh, fucking yeah. shit. That was just a thing. That's just a thing media has done forever. <laughs> Oh, it's just always been like this. What the hell? Um, sorry, you're saying about Disney. Oh, so Disney, you know, they got their start making like movies based on um, existing stories. Mm-hmm. So like Snow White and Pinocchio were like stories that were in the public domain. 
But when Disney decided to like make Lady and the Tramp, mm-hmm. they um they didn't know what to do without having a written thing to base it off of. So they commissioned someone to write a novel for Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> And then base the movie off that book. <laughs> hey, we don't know how to make an original idea, but if you write this book, we'll make a yeah. ton of fucking money off of it and not give any to you. Exactly. They were like, all right, write this book. You get to publish it. You get the money from publishing it. And then we get the rights to make make a movie based on that. We make more money than you. But, you, you know, your name will be in the credits, maybe. <laughs> Feels like a, wait, I feel like I'm getting like the short in here. No. <laughs> no, 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 and then the, oh, don't worry about it. You know, like, and then like the writers, like, you know, I could just write a screenplay. Oh no, we need a book. <laughs> we can only that was the wrong a, Fuck. There's no way to make a screenplay without a book. Everyone knows that, kid. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so that is what's going. I was like, why these teams all work very closely together because they all pretty much being asked by the same people to make the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the reason that Shingo Araki is very interesting because Shingo Araki goes on to have a very prolific career. Um, he worked on Lupin yeah. the Third in 1977, mm-hmm. uh, Saint Seiya, uh, and as recent mm-hmm. as re- I say recently, uh, he also did the character designs for the first two Yu Gi Oh series. Really? Yeah. yeah. I just this is just like very interesting things to me of like who worked on these pre like these like early Magic Girl shows so they're going to do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, say it out of the gate, Megachon never makes it to English market. <laughs> F. Still no magic girls for English speakers. Not happening. Pounds fist on the table. When will we get magical girls? Oh, you know when we get it. Um, <gasps> but so Megachon did have a lot of things that, again, the genre takes on. Megachon's the first one that looks like a lot of friendships, bonds, the magic between two teen girls. Um, cause Megachon has like a, there's like a rival sorceress. In this series, and they they oftentimes reach some sort of like tense truce throughout the series of like there's like a bigger thing for us to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, Megatron also touched on a lot of very like controversial themes at the time for young children. Um, they they had issues like domestic violence, substance abuse, extramarital affairs, those sorts of issues. Um, along another through line of it was loss and uh, loss of mortality. Because Maguchan saw like her greatest enemy was actually the dark side of humanity, not like any monster or oh. thing in front of her. It was like human beings can be terrible, and that is that is like my actual enemy. Um, mm. So as Maguchan's like learning to control her abilities, and she's like getting, she's another princess from a magical world trying to become worthy for the crown. She gets sent to Earth mm-hmm. to be the adopted daughter of these like two people who have no. Um, child uh, and she is trying to learn how to like become more of you to lead her people this side of passions goes throughout most mm-hmm. of the story uh where she is trying to learn to cope with like loneliness compassion grief and desperation and a lo- mm-hmm. all the time learning to do through self-sacrifice um wow the other thing megatron gave us though is she was a teen girl um and her representation of uh, what they call Kogaru, uh, you know, Kogaru heroine is a heroine that is uh, like a schoolgirl. Mm. Um, they begin to capitalize on things that are sexy. Uh, 
this is this is kind of a precursor to what people going to become like fan service in anime. Um, yeah, there are oftentimes seeing her in like various stages of undress, of her being in like a like some kind of sheer nightgown and seeing her underwear, um, mm-hmm. and just other like sexual tension type situations. Um, mm-hmm. there is also a character who would, uh, there's a character who played like, who was like kind of a, uh, younger sibling type trope where he would oftentimes like accidentally find her like disrobed or undressing. Yeah. Um, so he had a lot of that going on, which is something that some parts of the genre takes on, but also like goes on throughout most of the anime. So a lot of that is influenced by and is going on because do you know who else is making stuff right now? Gonagi. You know who Gonagi is? Gonagi is the creator of Devilman. Also, Cutie Honey. <laughs> oh, yeah. The thing I mentioned at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Megatron's clearly being influenced by Cutie Honey, which is much more sexual and much more adult. Yes. Cutie Honey is um, titties, titties akimbo. Titties, titties everywhere. Just, just yeah. titties. You, so. Yeah, I last thing about Megatron. Never make an English market. There are some episodes that exist in dubs that aired in Peru and Venezuela. Mm. Uh, it had the most success though in Italy, outside of the Japanese market. I, Italy. Italy just keeps coming. Italy back. keeps getting Italy. these magical girl shows, and they they love them. Yeah. They eat them up. They're like, yes. Um, I'm trying to figure out because like Italy, 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 and magic don't usually go like hand in nah. hand. <laughs> they don't <laughs> hey I don't have an answer I don't know if someone struck a business deal I don't know if like there's some Italian you know like show like if we looked into it there's like an Italian cartoon that they vibed with Um, I don't know if Japan just didn't want to deal with America which would be super fair but yeah, I mean cause you have to think like America has cartoons you know like cartoons are happening all over mm-hmm. the world but American censorship of media is a big thing for, as we both know, yeah. forever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, especially with, like, Astro Boy, like, Tesca, um, Astro Boy was, like, heavily edited. Like, all the names were changed. Mm-hmm. All the references to Japan were removed. Um, Tesca was, like, absolutely livid about this. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though, like, a couple of his series did end up making it. Mm-hmm. So like Kimba ended up making it still very heavily edited. The name changed, um, you know, that left a sour taste in his mm-hmm. mouth and like the mouth of like other creators as well, not wanting their properties to come over yeah. here and be quote unquote butchered. It's super fair. I mean, it gets, they get cut up quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. This still happens. Oh yeah. Not as much, but oh yeah. for, um, we mentioned the Disney XD version of Doraemon earlier, mm-hmm. which I think it like has like a title, like, cat from the future or something some bullshit well, like i mean that. even things that are popular like pokemon like mm-hmm. there are episodes that never made it to an american market because of censorship reasons not because they like pulled and kids didn't think it was interesting uh, look they did show the one where james had like the big bazongas so we got hey you got james titties you're all welcome <laughs> <laughs> I have that recorded because they were like, it's the lost episode. And you watch it and it's like, Tits. wow, I love this. Um, 
but even Pokemon, I mean, they change like cultural notes to to like things American kids might know, and they just confused you because you're like, that's not a donut. That's not. I fucking know it's not <laughs> like, a donut. I, don't lie to I, me. I don't know what that is, but it's not a donut. Um, yeah. So it is very interesting. Uh, but also getting me into his cutie honey. A thing to note at this time in Japan's history mm-hmm. throughout the 70s is they are going through their like women's liberation movement. Mm-hmm. Um, as this is going on and as women are feeling more liberated, you see it reflected in media. And that is why these magical girls become more... Um, they they get aged up a little bit and they become like more flirtatious and have a bit more agency and they are getting into mm-hmm. slightly more serious situations. Uh, yeah. Enter Cutie Honey. So Cutie Honey is not how what they intended to make. Oh. Cutie Honey is not meant to be tits akimbo action show. It yeah. <laughs> it was originally meant to be a shojo manga series like a just standard shojo magical girl series that's it nothing fancy mm-hmm. um yeah but again these manga are being made to make an anime period <laughs> like period that is that is what is going on they didn't get their tv spot mm-hmm. they got their tv spot that was going to be monday 7 p.m tv asai that was like a, that was like a magical Girl tv spot that is like where magical shows went people knew that yeah mm-hmm. instead they ended up with a um saturday 8.30 TV spot, which was a shonen TV spot. Oh. So, they're like, fuck it, and they made it a shonen. Cutie Honey is, from all records, I can find the first shonen heroine. Oh. She, her book came out in a shonen magazine. Her show is, like, geared and tooled towards, like, the shonen audience of teen boys. Mm-hmm. That is why they added in more violence, and that is why they added in nudity. Uh, Cutie Honey, that's, so before her transformation was more what you might think of for Sailor Moon, where it was, like, silhouette. And they're like, well, uh, what if she's just naked when she transforms? <laughs> <laughs> what if her magical girl form is just nude? So, they, when she transformed, she was naked. Um, they added in more fights. They added in a little bit more violence. They added in some, like, crude and gross humor. In the this, I'm talking about the original mm-hmm. Cutie Honey. There have been a lot of Cutie Honeys. Um, there yeah. have been, I think it's four different shows and a live action yes there's been four there's the 1973 series new key honey cutie honey flash which is the one i think i saw and then mm-hmm. there's re cutie honey and cutie honey universe um universe it's very ominous <laughs> uh the show also had a lot of um lesbian undertones and attraction between women uh for the original show and so that is so some Mm -hmm. of that is stuff they intended and some of that is like things they put in because it was going to be a shonen now it was not advertised as majoko it was not a little witch show it was they advertised it as a sci-fi series Mm. it is a magical series it is like retrospect everyone's like that was a magical show that i watched Wait a second. She was a magical girl all along. But they advertised it as sci-fi again. They didn't. They're like, if we call this a Majoko, teen boys aren't going to watch it. And then where will we be? Mm -hmm. We made this manga to make an anime. (laughs) (laughs) We can't get the teen boys to watch us in this teen boy slot. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Which I think is interesting. And like some people may like riff on this idea, right? But I'm like, we may, we're... At this time, like, we're making cartoons in America to sell toys. Like, that's what's going on here through the 70s and 80s that I'm going through. Like, we're just, we're just like, this is to sell a toy. 
I don't, I don't really don't. I bought this comic book about these turtles so I could make a bastardized cartoon so I could sell some toys. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I feel like that's a little bit worse than like, we commissioned this comic so we can make a show based yeah. on the comic. <laughs> like, because even if like the show it has toys based on it, mm-hmm. like Japan didn't get quite in, at least in this point in time, didn't get quite into like making mm-hmm. cartoons to sell toys as mm-hmm. we did. Uh, so the Cutie Honey show and the manga are, the original are a bit different. Um, mm-hmm. The original anime uh, took out, uh, was a lot tamer. It took out a lot of the violence. The original manga is a lot more violent than the original 70s show. It took out mm-hmm. the lesbian undertones, and it took out most Damn. of the humor. They did keep, however, uh, one of the characters is just like, like, is in love with Cutie Honey, uh, Miss Alphone, mm-hmm. and so she's still in love with Cutie Honey. Mm. Um, Good. Cutie Honey does mm-hmm. not see an English release. It is only, the only country that gets the original Cutie Honey TV show is France, besides Japan. France. Uh... And that wasn't until the late 80s, so almost over a decade after it was done airing in Japan, because it stopped airing in Japan in 1974, it goes to France in 1988. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does get a North American box set release in 2013. Wow, and then I know the manga was released a couple years yes. ago. So it does make it here. Um, Cute New Kenny Honey and Cutie Honey Flash both air here in the States. Mm-hmm. I watch both of those on like Anime TV Network or whatever, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um. And those are a bit more adult. Yeah, and then the live action one just got um, licensed by Discotech, yes. which is a company that like distributes like pretty obscure anime mm-hmm. and live action stuff from Japan. And they just got the license to distribute. I believe Discotech. Yeah, Discotech also did the box set I talked about in 2013. So makes sense. Oh, Discotech's got their good work over fingers there. on the pulse. They're like, we got to get these tits of Kimbo, man. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listen, man, the teen boys love it. Um, they love this shit. What's important to note is Majoko Magu-chan and Cutie Honey both find audience with teen boys. And this is something that carries mm-hmm. the popularity of Magical Girls through the 80s. Because now they have a new market that is interested in them. Um, yeah. In a Bondi magazine, actually, Cutie Honey was rated the most popular character by young boys and young girls. Wow. Um, ages three to... F- it was... Three to five and six to eight, where the age range is. So those that so three to eight. I just realized why is it broken up like that? <laughs> um, <laughs> in nineteen ninety seven. So Cutie Honey again is someone else who has a lot of popularity in the culture she was made in. And I'd say like, mm-hmm. if you're into anime in the states, you probably have heard of Cutie Honey. Um, but she's she's not yeah. nearly as popular. Because again, we never, we never, we didn't no. get the anime. <laughs> like it, it didn't come on TV here. Yeah, so like it wasn't like on TV. Like you have to go out of your way to search yeah. for it. You have to get that box set. You have to go buy yeah. that manga. <laughs> like, yeah, and if you don't know to look for it, you don't look for it. Um, it, yeah, you just never know about it, and then you die not knowing about Cutie Honey. <laughs> In the eighties, <laughs> we finally are saying Maho Shoujo, Magical Girl. Yeah. Uh. With La La Belle, the Magical Girl, or Maho Shoho, Rara Baru. It is another very, like, standard Magical Girl show. She's a princess. She comes to Earth. She, um, stops a mugger. And then she lives a life on Earth. Um, she is fascinated with humans. She, like, learns lessons every week. 
um eventually how her show ends which is interesting her and her um her like evil villain who's called biscus uh their their source of magic there's like these magic cases are emptied of magic and vanish and then they are just normal humans oh and so the villains all agree to form and never bother lala bell and her friends again and she just has a normal human girl life wow (laughs) that wraps up in a little bow um that's 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 that one um it, it it's it's very interesting that that is what's going on the other shows being made however are shows you mentioned at the beginning at the top uh magical princess minky momo minky momo uh and uh hey this is one that i found which is like a name that gives me a bad mouth feel creamy mommy <laughs> the magic angel <laughs> like that doesn't sit right in your mouth right and the the thing is like she's not like a sexualized magical girl she's not like no she's got like purple hair she's like got she's 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 cute she's an idol i want to yeah i want to point out that mommy is spelled m-a-m-i and i don't know if that makes it better or worse (laughs) honestly can i say something about minky momo really quick before we move on oh i was gonna move Um, on i was i was gonna get into minky momo but you tell me Oh, then no, go ahead. Passing the mic. She fucking dies. Yeah, that was what I was gonna say. She she dies. <laughs> yeah. Her her Sorry, show continue. she she dies and is reincarnated as the baby that is the real daughter of the couple that she was living with in hiding. Which is Surprise. weird. <laughs> I don't know why she, she gets like hit. I don't know. So she loses like, her magic powers, gets hit by a yeah. car, and dies, and then she she comes back as a baby to the couple that she was already living with. <laughs> So her life doesn't change much, but she just has to grow up a second time. Yeah, so. which is... Conan has to do it, too. It's fine. You <laughs> <laughs> think she's like, oh, fuck, I'm a kid again. And Conan's like, first time. <laughs> He's like, got a cigarette. He's just like, this is your first time as a kid. <laughs> um, I was reading something that said that um, Mickey Momo getting hit by like the car. Mm-hmm. Is like you see that in a lot of isekai, like the main character gets like hit by a car or something, yeah. and then is in the other world. Mm-hmm. Um, and this article was like postulating that like that came from Minky Momo getting hit by the car. Oh, I mean, I would buy Sometimes. it. I mean, Minky Momo is right? eighty two. I don't, I don't know how far back isekai stuff goes where that's a trope because I didn't look into that this week, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um. What Mickey Momo and Creamy Mommy, <laughs> Creamy Mommy both do <laughs> that are interesting, though, is it features a girl. Like, both of these characters are girls, like young girls. Mm-hmm. And their magic powers, they age into adults or teens. Yeah. Um, This is when going out on Japan, switch, just moving the lens a bit to remind people where we're at. We're in a country. It's called Japan. It's a real place with real people. These aren't props and sets for you to use. These are people with a history and a culture that's going on different than your own. Um, they have very prominent women figures going on. There's an all-female pump, pop, rock, punk band called Princess Princess that's blowing up. There's that. the first idea of like a super idol, uh, Seiko Matsuda is blowing up. Japan passes the Equal Employment Opportunity Act in 1985, blowing up. And we have Takako Doi, who is one of the most powerful women in Japanese politics. Uh, <laughs> she's the first woman to become the lower house speaker of Japan, which is the highest position any woman's had in Japan's 
history to date. Like other people, have, other people have had this position. No woman's been higher than this. And she was the first woman opposition leader. The lower house of Japan, you might be wondering, Brenda, is yeah. Japan's house of representatives. They are elected on four-year terms. The upper house is the house of counselors, which is something left over from the imperial setup of the Japan, which used to be called the house of regents. And mm-hmm. they are elected to serve six-year terms. Oh. So Takako was the head of her house that she was elected into. Mm-hmm. Um, I burped a lot. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so the term Majoko starts to fall out of vogue as the term Mahosho becomes Mahoshojo becomes more popular with the usage of it in these previous shows. And Studio Perot goes on to make a lot of magical series in the 80s that use Mahoshojo. Um, so this term just becomes the term for the genre. This is what people start to use. Um, at the same time, it's picking up more men viewers with these, uh, these like older characters. People are hearing about Cutie Honey. People are seeing these like women do shit. Like people are taking women seriously in the country. Hello, everyone. I'm back. And you might notice my audio quality has changed again because I had to switch the microphones. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just a moving, your mic, your audio is an ever moving target because we keep moving Brenda locations. You might think, aren't you just recording the same day? You don't fucking know now, do you? You have no you idea have what no you're clue. doing. You have no clue. Absolutely no clue. You, you fucking, you've no fucking idea. <laughs> Last time on Secret Histories of Nerd yeah, Mysteries, where was that? Uh, Mickey Momo got hit by a truck. Mickey Momo got hit by a truck. Mickey Momo is also, uh, has an English dub. Does it? What's she called? What's her name? Uh, oh, that's something you probably would have wanted me to look up, huh? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you keep talking and I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, it's, oh, I mean, it's called The Magical World of Gigi, so maybe her name's Gigi. I was oh, like, Gigi, I yeah. I know it's not called Minky Momo. No, um, Gigi sounds good. I, I feel I'm like sure that's her right. name is Gigi. It gets an English dub. It's broadcast in Australia. <laughs> Australia? It, it, the English dub airs in Australia, Malaysia, Singapore, Kuwait, Zimbabwe, Trinidad, Tobago, Indonesia, Kenya, Brunei, and Israel. So everywhere but here. Yes, it is branded in productions. It's ugh, it's also rebranded and, and produced and re-aired in Brazil. China, the Netherlands, France, Italy, Spain, Mexico, Portugal, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and the Philippines in local languages. Wow, so everywhere but here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, despite all the international distribution, North American audiences, uh, not counting Mexico, so the U.S. and Canada. U.S. and mm-hmm. Canada initially just got the OVA in 1985. Wow. Um, and it was released on VHS. Hmm. Um, there's some other releases in 1987, but the best of my knowledge, the English language dub never aired anywhere in America as it did in other countries. Um, so we still have not gotten Magical Girls on TV here in the States. Um. When will the Magical Girls come? The Magical Girls come to us the same area I'm going to kind of leave it open because they're, in this era, each single show could be its own episode. Mm Mm-hmm. When we learn to fight evil by moonlight and win love by daylight, um, Sailor Moon. I, I was gonna say more of the lyrics, and it um, <laughs> turns out I don't know them. Oh fuck! Are you sure? Are you okay? Oh, oh, wait, let me think. Okay, so fighting evil by 
Moonlight, mm-hmm. Winning Love by Daylight, mm-hmm. Never Running mm-hmm. from a Real Fight. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. the one named mm-hmm. Sailor Moon. She will never, she never turn, her turn her back, back on, on her friends. friends. Fuck. She will yeah. always be listening. She's, like, she's, she's the one on whom you can't, you can't depend. depend. She's the, she's one, the one named, named Sailor. Sailor Moon. Sailor Venus. Sailor, Venus. Sailor Mercury. Mars. Sailor Mars. Sailor Jupiter. Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. <laughs> I, you don't, uh, hey, do you not know what Sailor Moon is? I really can't help you with that one. That you you are you okay? are you all right? Have you been living under a rock? Like are you do were you born today? In which happy birthday? I hope happy you birthday. have a beautiful birthday. It's Sailor a great Moon, day to be born. Say, you're gonna say that, and baby <laughs> <laughs> night's gonna come, and you're gonna be like, "Fuck." Um. I, yeah, I listen. Hey, through the '90s, each single show could be its own episode. You get Sailor Moon. We got um, Karagawa Sakura. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cutie Honey gets a release in '97 again. Um, there's just a lot going on in the '90s. Sailor Moon is revolutionary in what it brings to Magical Girls, and to this day, it is what a lot of Western audiences think when they think Magical Girl. But as we yeah, have, it, yeah, as I have just dictated to you. There is about three decades of Magical Girl history before Sailor Moon. And even, like, some of, like, the later ones, like, we kind of got, but we got, like, very edited versions of. Mm-hmm. So, like, Magical Doremi and um, uh, Tokyo Mew Mew, mm-hmm. which was localized here as Mew Mew Power. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of got those, mm-hmm. but, like, it didn't get popular. And no. we also have never gotten any Precure, to my knowledge. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I don't pretty, believe I don't believe we have people. Just yeah. people know it now because you can like find places to watch it. Yeah, and it's like big, big, big deal. And it's like I know absolutely nothing, and I'm a fucking weeb. So <laughs> you know, like a lot of people think magical. They think Sailor Moon or Caracopter Sakura. They think mm-hmm. uh, a girl uses magic in like a some kind of like warrior m- like magic girl situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so, that is like. As I wanted to like point out, like a very new part of the genre, um, from like Sally the Witch until you get into like Cutie Honey and Megachan, like they're not even using magic to fight. It's like magic in hijinks and shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Until Cutie Honey, you don't really have like the transformation scene. Yeah. And until Sailor Moon, you don't really have like the team. You don't have like the squad. Yeah. Um, but Sailor Moon was like revolutionize the genre between its use of like transforming hero elements from like tokatsu shows so like you think super sentai and shows like that um the idea of like the team up the idea that they were teen girls who their womanhood was like accentuated so like when they transform they don't get they don't get like a cool sword or like very masculine they get like quote-unquote girlier they get skirts Mm -hmm. they're they get makeup they get like their nails done they like transform to be like more femme which yeah. very much battles the idea of like a lot of these shows they like were they if they did transform to like fight they like became masculine or they got armor mm-hmm. or whatever their power lies in their femininity yes and that is that is something that become, goes on to become a huge part of the genre i'm going to mention sakura that comes on later which also like sailor moon and character sakura both draw in a lot of um like men and young boys our character soccer captures a lot of young boys and sailor moon mm-hmm. captures a lot of like teen boys 
um, part of that for Sailor Moon is it aired in the States, it aired on Toonami, which a lot of teen boys were watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Japan, it just, it, it also aired in like an action slot. Yeah. Um, so you're bringing in like this audience that before they just like didn't really try to, they, de- they got them with Cutie Honey and they get more when they release Cutie Honey Flash in 97. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just seeing that maybe this genre can be more than what they thought it could be. Um, and the one thing I mentioned about Sailor Moon just off the cuff was just the idea that like, the Maki arc, the Hell Tree arc for people who've watched Sailor Moon, um, is was something they made just for the anime. And the reason because is because uh, Takuchi, who is the mangaka, like she didn't plan on writing more. Yeah. Uh, even the idea of <laughs> like Chibi Usa was like made for the anime. That was an idea <laughs> that that is an idea from uh, her editor Fumio. <laughs> Fumio Osano is the one who's like, what if, like, she has a daughter from the future? And, like... <laughs> what an idea that was. Yeah, Nako is like, I, I mean, I don't really have an idea. Like, like I imagine, right, you know, I haven't dug in deep. Like, I know, like, very surface-level stuff, because I was like, if I do Sailor Moon, that's, like, a whole thing. And I kind of want to yeah. do, like, all Magic Girl stuff, which is why I did that. Um, mm-hmm. But I imagine they're, like, a coffee, and, like, Nako is like, oh, I mean, yeah, that could, like, you'd, like, you know, fucking fan fictioning about your OC, which is, which is canon, <laughs> but still, like, she's like, oh, yeah, I guess. And she's like, yeah, you know, Toei was thinking they could make a season two. And she's like, I don't really have any, this I mean, all I've got. this is kind of like, like, oh, well, well, like, don't worry, we'll make a filler arc and you can go write more. You can go write uh, what become like the Black Moon story arc. Wait, what? <laughs> this- I don't. <laughs> Wait, this is my OC, Chibi Usa. She's like Sailor Moon's daughter from the future with Darius. Sorry, that's not his real name. I don't know what his real name is. And she's got cute pink hair. And maybe she falls in love with a horse. We'll workshop that a little bit. Oh my god. <laughs> I love you, Brenda. <laughs> I love you too. Um, I do want to say, like, she does go on, like, uh, Naoko, like, Goes on to work heavily with the anime. She worked heavily with the re-release anime of Sailor Moon Crystal. Like she, there's no, I, there's no like chip on her shoulder, hard feelings about like making more manga. Um, mm-hmm. you can go back and forth on like should they have kind of pushed her to make more if she didn't plan on it. But I don't, I don't think she's upset. She went on to make one of the most popular mangas and animes of all time. So yeah, uh. And it, I mean, you really think about it, it all kind of came out of the, so Sailor, codename Sailor V was like the one shot she made. Mm-hmm. Um, that was meant to be just a one shot. And then it became, it got serialized and Toy Animation was going to make an anime for it. And then she went on to start making Sailor Moon and they canceled the serial, they canceled the Sailor V anime and, you know, here we are. Um, yeah. And now Sailor Moon is like, like if I, if I had said, like when I said Magical Girl, what did you think of? Um, Sailor Moon is honestly Sailor Moon and card captors are like the two that come to my mind yeah. immediately. So she's like what we in America know as like the head of this genre. Yes. Um and I would say like that's what comes to most people's mind. That's mm-hmm. like when I was I was looking for like a mouse pad and I was like, magical girl, cute mouse pad. And all you get is card captor soccer and Sailor Moon if you search in English. Yeah. That's it. That, those are the only two as far as like English viewers are concerned. Yeah, the only two that have like made it into like the mainstream, mm-hmm. and Card Captors 
barely made it. It's like it's like hanging on by a like it's like I got my hooks in you. We know about it, but God, we didn't even get the whole thing. Like we sure didn't. And I feel like a lot of people like know her and Mm -hmm. like don't really know the show. Yeah, which is sad because it's great. It is good. It's got some some moments, some weird moments, but. Hang I mean, in there. When you have it's like fine. romance and they're all kids, it is weird. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, yeah. like you kind of step back and you're like, "Huh." But that's all I had. I was like, I wanted to wrap it up around Salem because Salemman could be its own thing. Carp soccer could be yeah. its own thing. The genre goes on to like we're now in like postmodern magical girl right of like people making magical girl like commentary shows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, M- M- Madoka. 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 We got Madoka. Quilla, <laughs> Quilla Madoka Magic Magic. Um we have I will never remember its name. Uh it's fine. It's okay. It doesn't need to help people <laughs> enough people watch it. Um <laughs> We have some shows that have gone back to the traditional magical tr- uh idea of like Little Witch Academia. Um, which they're witches. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is so interesting. Someone was like I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh, that's so cool. It's, like, different because they're, like, magical girls, but they're not, like, it's not vague. They're, like, witches learning magic. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the original way. <laughs> um, and the people working on the show know that. And so it's it's just so interesting that this genre has, like, permeated American culture so yeah. deeply. But only with, like, really, like we just said, like, two shows. Mm-hmm. But we also have, like, kind of our own magical girls, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, uh, star in the forces of evil mm-hmm. would constitute as a magical girl and mm-hmm. was definitely inspired by a magical girl series. Mm-hmm. And then um, Witch, which used to run on to Disney oh, slash yeah. Disney XD slash Jetix block, whatever. <laughs> Witch, whatever. You know what it is. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then kind of even getting back, I realized that um, Italy does have kind of like some magical girls. They've got the Winx Club. Oh, um, I forget is, that's Italian all the time. All the time, and I remember just in time to say it. <laughs> and that makes sense because uh, they got they got Italy got I think every series that I like dove into that was like a big cultural touch point that had something that came later in the genre. Mm-hmm. I think they got all of those. Yeah, like, Italy's so, like, been in Magic Girls since the sixties. That's definitely like based on like those early Magical Girl series that mm-hmm. they used to watched in italy mm-hmm. and they got really popular and then now we have like fucking references to magical girls in jellystone yeah <laughs> so it's everywhere i mean i even i brought i have like a list here of like things that yeah. we didn't have without magical girls like steven universe wouldn't exist without magical mm-hmm. girls steven universe yep. is a magical trope in that he is a magical princess in some regard that mm-hmm. is outside of his world he's not on homeworld that has to mm-hmm. learn how to be a human and master his powers to help make the world a better place. Yep. Um, like it is an extremely influential. I think it's just amazing because it's extremely influential, and for so much of it to be like, you know, it went. It was in Japan and like maybe one other country, like usually Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's permeated like that. Sailor Moon was able to come with like thirty years of history of the genre behind it, and somehow impart all of it in. I'm like. Star Wars The Force of Evil is very close to, like, Sally the Witch and Akko-chan. Yeah. Those creators probably have never seen those. <laughs> or maybe, like, they very, like, lightly know about them, mm-hmm. but it's just, there's just no way to watch it. There's mm-hmm. no way to, like, read it. So, yeah. 
we came full circle and we just reinvented we invented the magical girl again <laughs> <laughs> so i i think it's yeah. awesome i'll there'll probably be some point in time where i go through sailor moon or car cup to something. the thing is like they're so popular like most of the stuff's been talked about like i almost did mm-hmm. like i was like what about that like the sailor moon the american one but they're like i forgot T- kotaku did like a huge thing on that like a few years ago Oh yeah, the one uh, made by Dick Entertainment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost the, hey, I got there because I was like, we could talk about Dick Entertainment one more time. <laughs> one more time, three weeks in a row, we're gonna talk about Dick Entertainment. Three weeks, dicks, baby. Yeah, we're so funny and clever. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep listening to our show. We love you. Please. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. What? Awesome. This was a really cool episode. Everyone. Don't you mean a really magical episode? Ah! <laughs> sorry, that was loud. Um, everyone, I'm sorry that my microphone was gar- garbage, um, but I'm having a good time, and that's really all I care about. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm not sorry that Brenda's microphone's garbage, because it means I got to see her this week, yeah. so everyone else can You're fucking fresh. stuff it. <laughs> and with that, Austin, do you have any magical parting words? Um, you know, that'd be cool if I had, like, a Sailor Moon send-off. Or, it was, like, Moon Prism Power. I don't have, like, a way to make a Sailor Moon send-off, like, cool, or, like, a Karkarpa Soccer one, because I can't think of something. Um, so, in in space of that, imagine I did say something in your heart, like a true magical girl would. Yeah, and then I'm gonna, I'll be like, Wow! <laughs> Oh, that was so cool, Austin. Whoa. All right, bye, everyone. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacellecast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, 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 for listening to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. Helps the show out a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya. <laughs>